is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien and uh, super to have you listening, tuning in wherever you are today, whether that's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or perhaps you're watching on YouTube, wherever you are, super grateful to have you joining us for another episode. We are looping back, looping back today, back to some of the clinic owner spotlights and clinic owner stories. And today I am super excited to have a long-term friend and client, Jin Ong, on the podcast. Jin, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. Thanks for inviting me on. It is an absolute pleasure. Now, I'm going to fill the listeners in on a little bit of your backstory and then we'll pull on a few of those threads. So, Jin is trained professionally as an osteopath, psychosomatic therapist, Western medical acupuncturist, and herbalist. And she's treated thousands of clients and founded the MetaMed Health Clinics. Let me get that right. In New Zealand, one of the most beautiful parts of the world in Wanaka there, and hosts the Art of Listening to Your Body podcast. Jin works with complex physical and emotional conditions that don't respond to traditional or conventional therapies, including surgery, and also works with cancer and terminally ill patients. Jin does so much more than that. She loves to dig deep, speak about the unspoken, which makes me excited for this little podcast, and help people process unresolved emotions that hold them back from living the life they truly want. It's all about getting comfortable with discomfort. So, Jin, speaking of getting comfortable with discomfort, I got a couple of icebreaker questions for you. Might make you uncomfortable. (laughs) Are you ready? Sure. But what are you reading or learning right now? I actually rarely read books, but I am reading one by Juliet Fund called A Minute to Think, and it is all about creating more white space in your day, in your week, in your life for creativity. So really stepping back, and in my world, it would be stepping back into more of the feminine energy and stop doing and hustling and being too caught up in strategy. So I'm really loving that. She comes from the corporate background, uh, but... Yeah, I think we can all use a bit of that minute to think. Mm, Nice. Okay. Number two, who inspires you? Anyone who has been where I desire to be. Hmm. Nice. What did you want to be growing up? I always knew that I wanted to be in some sort of healthcare and... I think what has been important to me is just being willing to let that image and desire evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it certainly has. I guess it's non-traditional now in a lot of ways, right? What's a motto that you live by? Something that I teach my clients is surrender to the process. Mm-hmm. Are you very good at that? Yeah, I'm getting better. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> the dots for us then, as a young tacker running around, um, what inspired you to want to be in healthcare? I guess, you know, most kids would say they might want to be a doctor or a nurse, but healthcare, what was the inspiration? Oh, there's so many facets to this. So I always knew that I wanted to be in healthcare. My first ever job was actually as a nail technician. So putting acrylic nails on people and being around a lot of toxic chemicals. Uh Oh, actually, I wanted to be a hairdresser, a beauty therapist. And then I got into pharmacy as a part-time casual job and I progressed 
in that industry as I was at school and then eventually at university. And I absolutely loved it. And I look back on it thinking, oh my gosh, the world that I live in now is just such polar opposite (laughs) to the pharmacy world as an assistant, as a dispensary technician. But it was great to just see where people do end up really Mm -hmm. caught up in all the conventional medicine, which is really valuable, but the other side to this as well. Mm. So I thought I wanted to get into pharmacy, maybe do something like medicine, physio, chiro. I actually just fell into osteo. Mm -hmm. I am so grateful that I did. I didn't grow up as someone who received a lot of physical therapy or saw the doctor a lot. Both my parents are in the medical field. My dad was, is retired now. He's a radiographer and sonographer. And my mom was a nurse for a very long time. So I grew up around that, not that I necessarily aspired to go into those industries. Uh, And then why I say there's many facets to this is growing up in an Asian household is that sometimes you are told that it's going to be really good Uh to be a doctor, a pharmacist and all those things that apparently make lots of money. Uh But I listened to my heart from a very young age. Osteo just piqued my interest for some reason. I fell into it and it has just been a great foundation to set me on this pathway. And it's evolved. Mm. And so how do you end up then from stumbling into osteopathy to opening a clinic in Wanaka near Queenstown in New Zealand? How does that happen? Oh, yeah. So, well, actually, the truth is that that four years into practicing, I actually wanted to leave the profession. Mm-hmm. I was this getting- is while you were back in Melbourne. Oh, actually, I graduated from Victoria University in Melbourne. I grew up there, but then I immediately moved as a new grad to New Zealand because at the time it felt like there was more demand for osteo and I knew that I wanted to do some element of travel. Mm -hmm. And at the time it felt like that you really had to find your stable ground for a couple of years if you wanted to work in somewhere like Melbourne or Sydney. So I decided to go somewhere completely new to Wellington and it was it was great and it was really fun there was a lot of independence to just sort of treat the way I wanted I had really great mentors and people to work for when I came straight out of uni Mm -hmm. but then something just wasn't sitting right with me and I always say it's like I knew all these skills and techniques but they weren't working for some people and that's when my mind really got tuned into the emotional aspect the stresses in people's lives and how that can impact their ability or lack of ability to heal and progress mainly with their musculoskeletal and physical conditions. Mm -hmm. But that has since evolved with the current work that I do into all the emotional, behavioral, mental imbalances that people experience as well. So I felt frustrated because I was not helping everyone. We've all felt that at some stage, right? And probably a lot of listeners and clinic owners were frustrated or had this blockage of some sort and and leads us to want to do things our own way if we're that way wired. So, so you take plane, plane flight south and, uh, pick the most beautiful planets on the planet, right? Oh, well, I took a break from osteo, to be honest. I went ski patrolling for a little bit (laughs) and that sort of, yeah, it got me addicted to the snow, the ski fields, hence why I'm down here. But I actually did quite a bit of locum work between Australia and New Zealand, worked in various states, used that opportunity to just really get an idea of how I wanted to operate, what I liked about clinics, what I didn't like, and therefore, yeah, how I might want to operate my clinic. However, I remember my first ever person that I worked for asked me, do you ever want to run your own clinic? I said, hell no, I don't want the responsibility. And then 10 years later, I ended up doing that. 
So, yeah, it was a culmination of things. Also, just wanting to operate a clinic the way I wanted to Mm -hmm. and had a lot of doubts whether or not I could do that. But I had a few years while I was pregnant and had my daughter to really scheme the type of business that I wanted to create and one that was really based on my values, my mission, rather than a real cookie cutter business model system. And did you have much background in business or the commercial side of things at all? No, not at all. And I think that's really important for other people to know because sometimes we get so conditioned and believe that because we don't have a family history of business that we're destined for the same pathway. But if you put your mind to it, you can learn. And I did start the journey about seven or eight years ago now around personal development and trying to learn about business. And that was the catalyst. And then it's constant learning. Mm. So, uh, I want to get to your clinic owner journey and clinic growth and and now you've uh, been able to step away from the clinic in some aspects and uh, and able to coach practitioners and individuals with their own health. But talk us through that clinic journey from start to the ability to grow it. I remember we got to start working together relatively early in the piece and uh, it was a whole lot of fun. It was a whole new you know, way of thinking your your approach, but how did that clinic growth journey play out for you? Really, really rapidly. <laughs> so I would say that I had about three years of planning and you don't need that three years, but, you know, I said that I had my daughter, I wanted to have 12 months off with her and I wanted to just work part-time. And also we weren't able to move back to Wanaka at that point in time. So Moving back to Wanaka, we did this and pretty much used up all of our money. And my husband also had to start a business and I had to start a business and we needed to generate our income from our own blood, sweat and tears. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was really this big trust leap of faith. And I always had a vision to create a clinic that was beyond me. So to have other people part of the team Mm -hmm. and for it to not be reliant on me. So I had this plan and this vision, and I remember what I wanted to to look like in possibly five years, but I'll share the flow on of that was that it all happened within a period of about 10 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. So I started off just renting a room in a health shop in town. And then I had all my intentions set out about what I wanted my clinic to look like. And I had to break through many beliefs that, you know, when you move to Wanaka, you won't be able to afford anything to buy. So (laughs) crazy stuff. That's a big story. But about 10 months in this clinic property that was just ideal and something that I set my intentions on appeared. And I managed somehow to purchase it. And (laughs) that was 10 months into my journey. And I took on my first employee and went from myself to a team of, I think it was 10 or 12 people and two locations six months after that. So this was about 16 to 18 months in, and that is when you came on board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was offered to buy this clinic in Queenstown. I had only just opened my clinic. I had no idea if I could actually manage a team and run a business but I am a real opportunist and I consulted my astrologer to find out if this was a good move. Uh-huh. <laughs> he gave me some dates on whether I should, when I should settle on this. And I decided to settle on it July 1st. And I'm more of a person that learns when I'm in, in the mess doing it. 
and I got into it and it wasn't quite what I expected. So I think I circled back to you guys. I forgot that I had actually spoken to Clinic Mastery to Daniel a year prior. It was literally a year to the date. It was quite amusing. And yeah, it was great. He was just open to have the chat. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know what to do, but I know something needs to turn around. I had to increase the prices to bring it in line with my Wanaka clinic quite significantly, mm-hmm. do a rebrand, communicate with new staff and try and keep them on board. And I remember saying to you, Jack, is all right, you just tell me whatever I need to do and I'll do it because I want to make this work. And you've got two months to show me that this can actually work. Mm -hmm. And I'll take responsibility for the things that I choose not to do, but I will do the majority of it. And I remember it was hard because it was another investment to invest in some other suggestions you guys had made, but it is so worth it. Thank you for your kind words. Tell me when in that early growth, that first 12 to 18 months going from basically just opening the doors to 10, 12 practitioners or team members, what was some of the challenges that you can recall? What were some of the sleepless nights, those sorts of things? Well, what was good and something that I teach now is begin with the end in mind. So I had systems, I had software, I had everything there that could grow as the clinic grew. Also, because I was renting a room, what was great because I can I can push hard is that I could only work two days a week and then three days a week every other week. So I was forced to have that space to be able to work on other things. Because when you're in with clients, your full attention is on that client. You can't do anything else on the side. So I don't actually think there was many sleepless nights. I wasn't really surrendering to the process and I didn't really be- believe in trusting the universe and that things would fall into place. But this is when I really started to set some intentions and start to see the flow happen and things start to manifest. To be honest, I can't remember the sleepless nights. Maybe they were too traumatizing that I've suppressed them and forgotten about it. <laughs> Maybe. I know someone who could probably help with that. <laughs> I would hazard a guess that your style and approach is maybe a little non-traditional. <laughs> How did you go finding practitioners that aligned with your approach? Mm. So even that has evolved, but it was through getting really clear on my personal, which also then filtered into business values and really being clear on the vision of who I wanted to work with and how I wanted the MetaMed brand to be perceived. And that is one where, yes, you're osteopaths, you've got a qualification, but I really want you to be open to the mind-body connection and at least be able to hold conversations with people around how emotions can impact their physical body. So when it came to interviewing people, it was been really selective Mm -hmm. and I would just really deliver how I was going to be, whether it was in the interview or if you were to come on board and work with me, know that I'm really blunt. Please don't take offense to it. I'm really keen on my practitioners' personal growth for them to be the best practitioners that they can be. Because I do find a lot of the time in these qualified and registered practices, people get so caught up on whether or not they are actually good enough. So yeah, it was having those conversations. Thankfully at that time, we lived in a really desirable place where applications were just flooding in. Mm -hmm. And one thing I was really clear about is don't move here because I'm a job in the place that you want to live in. Mm -hmm. Move here because you actually want to work at my clinic and you align with these values because yeah, otherwise we're not going to get along. 
I'm interested though, was that hard to have such a hard stance when you just need team members? Like you've got waiting lists and that. Was it? Was there ever a tension of maybe compromising at all? Yep, definitely since COVID, there's been huge compromise and there's been huge lessons. It's, I guess, that whole thing of hiring out of desperation. All the people that have been with me and are now not with me, they have been amazing in their own way, mm-hmm. but I let my boundaries bend. Mm, interesting. Appreciate your honesty. And so I'm interested then for you, as you went from being at that sole practitioner, a solo hero through to a team and gradually transitioning yourself maybe off the tools, so to speak, or away from a lot of the hands-on therapy. How did how did you manage that internally? We Did you want to stay on the tools or stay with patients? Did you love being a business owner? What was that internal journey like? Yeah, it's so funny. I knew that being a practitioner was very different to being a business owner. And I think that's something that you come across a lot. I never thought that I would stop the hands-on therapy. And I remember coming into Clinic Mastery and hearing all these stories of people coming off the tools and it was not one of my aspirations, but it just happened. It evolved and I ran with it. And it's funny to look back and say to people now, yeah, I'm off the tools. So what did I have to do? What was the internal journey? First of all, it was knowing that being a practitioner was very different to running a business and that you're dealing with human and human behavior. The emotional aspect with the strategy and the masculinity of running a business and having the models. One of the biggest lessons that I have received was seek support like I did from you guys. Seek support from other people who have been there. The sounding board is invaluable. Yeah, like right now where I'm at in my life and I'm still with Clinic Mastery for the business. I have multiple coaches for my new online business and other areas in my life and they are just so valuable. Yeah, it's also just knowing that you've got to put a bit of work into it. I enjoyed the challenge. Mm-hmm. I always just trust that anything that's presented to me is an opportunity to grow and learn from. Even more so is getting on top of your own emotional health and making sure that you're in the right state of mind and that you're still aligned with your values as well. Mm. Sounds easy. Mm. (laughs) We know that it's not right. (laughs) Uh, Okay. And so talk us through then the, the birth or the ideation of the art of listening to your body. Maybe tell us what that is and, and the, the origin story of that. Yeah, sure. So as I said, Four years in, I didn't really want to be an osteo anymore. And that led me down this pathway of exploring other modalities and looking into my own physical and mental health. Although I started with the goal of helping my clients, not realizing that I had to do my own inner work. Mm. So that's almost 10 years ago now that I started to go down the psychosomatic pathway, really understanding the mind body connection and embracing the more traditional and historical Eastern medicine and different philosophies. And it didn't really make a whole heap of sense to me then, but this is where, you know, trusting over the period of time that it's just slowly going to drop in and make sense. So my approach as an osteopath was really around, okay, you're coming to see me for this physical thing. However, I'm really interested in the emotions and the journey of your life and how your emotional state influences your physical state. But as I said, that's now evolved to it influences your mental state and also your behaviors and how you present yourself in life. 
So I had for a long time, a lot of practitioners, physios and GPs referring their really challenging, complex clients to me where they knew it was emotional, but they didn't know how to deliver that information. They didn't know what to do with it. So they're like, say, go see Jim, she's this osteopath, but she does this other stuff. So people stopped seeing me because I was an osteopath, but more because they saw the shifts that their friends were getting, or they were just drawn to something else in what it was I delivered. And I wouldn't actually talk about this a lot on social media at that point in time. It was really word of mouth. And then I would get practitioners asking me, how do you do it? Or I don't really want to know how to do it. I'll just send people to you. And that got overwhelming because I couldn't see everybody. Mm -hmm. So I had been brewing for a long time in my mind that I wanted to deliver this work in the online space. I did want to share this information with other practitioners, but I didn't know how I actually did it. It just came to me while I was in a session with a client. And then COVID hit last year and New Zealand went into a really strict lockdown for seven weeks. So I was managing all the changing dynamics of that with the team, but I found space in another way. I was no longer having to work with clients in person, which I absolutely loved. And I transitioned a portion of my clients to online. And then I saw the power of this work when I was online with my clients, because I thought, no, there's no way I can do this without putting my hands on people or being in person with them. So it was a forced situation. And I say that the other listening to your body was driven out of fear because I had, I was working on it at the start of the year, but I was procrastinating, like doing my website up and trying to make it perfect. And then there was no form of income coming in. If anything, money was just like going out. Mid-2020 in the thick of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to do something about it. And I actually invested in another coach for a six-week course. And that really helped me get my business off the ground. So my first offering was a practitioner training. I did a beta test on that. And I had an amazing bunch of practitioners open to conventional and alternative practitioners. And started delivering this work. And as I was doing it, I realized there is a structure. There's lots of gaps that needed to be filled in between. So that was a really successful course. And I also just realized that what I was doing was more than just helping people with their physical stuff. It was actually helping them with their businesses and everything else, their relationships, everything else that like Mm -hmm. makes you exist as a person in this lifetime. And I decided to shift my coaching to a higher level and have people commit to working with me for three months online. And that was amazing because now all of a sudden I was able to access people that were not in my, just in my township. And I remember before I even started the clinic, that was one of my dreams to have people travel internationally to come and see me. And I did get that in the clinic that people would visit every year. Then of course the borders closed, so that's not possible but I was able to serve people internationally in the Mm. online space. So I shifted my therapy, the way I worked with people to coaching with them over a 12 week period, one-to-one online, having a practitioner program, which was helping practitioners who also just feel like they're missing something with their practice. They know it's emotional, but they don't know what to do with all of it. So it was teaching them how to facilitate emotional release processes and understanding some of the scary stuff that comes up Mm-hmm. and how to hold space for it, but really that they need to experience the discomfort so that they can hold space for people. So I just kept on running with that. And then we popped out of COVID and the business was going crazy. It was going really strong. The and The art of listening to your body or MetaMed? This is MetaMed. So we got out of, so mm-hmm. I started running that and then 
you know, I didn't know if we were going to come out of this COVID lockdown. So I put a lot of effort into that whilst managing the dynamics of the clinic, wanting the clinic to still run, but we popped out seven weeks later and the clinic was booming. Mm -hmm. And then you know, we had some staff dynamics where people were moving on, like a lot of people reassessing stuff post-COVID. And then my online business was booming as well. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I loved both of them. Right. And it's not that I didn't, you know, that I don't enjoy treating people hands-on or in the clinic space, but I just fully got to align with this emotional aspect of work that I really wanted to go into. And I was so torn. And I kept on saying something needs to change, something needs to change. I really want to focus on the online business. I can see how this can reach and impact so many more people. And my values with that started to misalign with Menomed, if that makes sense. So Menomed started to become more about the team and what do you guys want this to look like as a team? And it was becoming more removed from what I wanted to deliver in the online space. So I decided I needed to separate. The price points were very different as well. So there was a little bit of incongruency there. And then it just came up to Christmas and I was like, I was telling people I'm going to take six months off and then, yeah, just reassess things. Yeah, the crunch time just kind of came closer and closer. <laughs> and I just said, look, I'm I'm not taking any more bookings for now. And that six months has now passed. And, yeah, I won't go back to being in the clinic because when I made that hard decision, of, you know, losing that consistent and reliable income. When I made that hard decision to stop in the clinic, my online business grew. So yeah. And then with that space and with that time, I had been asked by a lot of the non-practitioner clientele, when are you going to run courses for non-practitioners? And I thought, oh, I don't think I can do this if it's not one-on-one. And I launched a six-week program called Release and managed to get 60 people on that. And I'm actually now in the midst of the second round. There's 66 people on this round. It's crazy. And yeah, lots of things have just evolved. It's really encouraging and, and inspiring, I'm sure, for so many clinic owners listening along. And I I love that you're so aware of some of the doubts that you had, but still did it anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As in, you know, you mentioned right at the top there, I've got this approach to how I treat patients and and deliver my therapies. I'm not sure if I can teach others how to do it, but you did it anyway. And in the process of doing that seemed to form a more rounded idea of, of the curriculum that you're teaching. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I came up with a course platform, which is that structure that it kind of always stays there. But a lot of my courses, I'm there live on a weekly basis, delivering the information. And what I've realized having run the practitioner training three times now is every round is different because newer information comes about. And I really like to still feel like I'm serving that individual. So yeah, it definitely was giving it a go. It doesn't look like what I thought it would have looked like a year ago, but it's been amazing. You also mentioned there you're not sure whether patients would take this up or clients would would be open to online therapy or how does this work over international borders. How did you manage to overcome some of those beliefs or barriers? It was just giving it a go. And I did run quite a few free masterclasses. I didn't record them just in case they were really terrible, but now I wish I recorded them because they were great. Uh-huh. But getting feedback from people, I think it's so valuable to give people feedback about what you got out of it. And there are people that get 
a lot of shifts just from my free stuff. And then when it's the right time, they might enroll into a course or one-to-one coaching. It was giving it a go and just seeing what came back. And I remember, you know, my first little webinar, I think there was eight out of the 15 people that registered come along. And that was a little bit disheartening, but actually so many of them enrolled into my course. So it's getting over the fact that it's not about the numbers. If you just got some really quality people that really believe in your work, then just deliver to them, even if it's just one person right now. But now there are hundreds of people that sign up for the masterclasses, which is really cool. I mean, I would do this work for free. I just absolutely love it. Yes, I do charge for it. However, it was no issue for me to just do these free masterclasses and want to give this information out to people. Mm, that's really interesting. And so where to from here? Are you going to still wear both hats of online business and clinic business or what? what's the next phase look like, do you reckon? Yeah, I absolutely still want the MetaMed Clinic to be running in Wanaka and Queenstown. And if it can grow beyond that, I definitely see, you know, when I was actually looking at growing this business, I remember somebody else saying to me, there's not enough room for more osteos here. Yet at one point we had five in one clinic and they were all fully booked. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't let people bring you down like that. If you really believe in something, go for it. So I say it's my second baby. I so want it to you know, to see it keep on going and thrive and move out of this COVID period. We're in another level four lockdown in New Zealand, feeling a little bit more relaxed about it. But yeah, I don't know what it holds, but my intention is that my attention is still on Menomed. The online business is, yeah, it's amazing. It's such a huge growth space for me Mm. at the moment. So I would love to have both going. No doubt. And if, if we can maybe just grab some advice from you for clinic owners. I think sometimes as health practitioners and clinic owners, it's bricks and mortar and there's so many limiting beliefs around how we can ever do anything different. If you were speaking to a clinic owner who perhaps feels like they've developed an approach or a way of treating, what would your advice be to them? Oh my gosh. It would just be just trust it and don't worry what other people think. And especially because you're probably in a registered profession, you're worried about what your other peers would think is knowing that not everyone is going to like what you do or agree with what you do. Criticism and judgment is an opportunity for growth and to really refine your message, but don't hold back what it is you're really called to do because it's going to help your little select group of people on a much deeper level and use the fear to drive you, not stop you. A big thing is that legacy work is, you know, if you were to die next week, would you be happy with what you've done? And really just go and live your life and express yourself fully for who you are and learn to value yourself and know that your information needs to be heard. And even if you feel like someone else has done it before, no one can deliver it the way you have. You can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're spot on. Absolutely. For a lot of listeners too, uh, the idea of starting an online business or maybe doing some online consulting for clients and patients or even training other practitioners feels really overwhelming and daunting because it's a totally different business model, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a bricks and mortar service-based clinic is so different to online training, consulting and coaching. So, What is it about an online business that you love? 
I don't need to travel anywhere to do my consults, although I can do consults if I am traveling in the right time zone. You pretty much have everything if you've got a decent laptop and a good internet connection. What else do I love about it? The commercial realities of it to the degree that you're comfortable sharing. There's obviously no rent to pay, right? To be honest, (laughs) the online business is cranking. It is... I don't know how to tactfully say it, so I'll just say it. It's Different, a lot different, more different expenses to a, a bricks and mortar business, right? Yeah, a lot less expenses, especially when you consider these lockdowns that are just coming and going, especially for you guys in, in Australia. Yeah, it is a whole other world out there. And, you know, I didn't have all these connections that I have now, but I invested in it and I made these amazing connections of, as I say, being around people who I desire to be like one day they really inspire me but there's a lot of flexibility the annoyance is like right now a child running around in the background who couldn't make noise on this recording (laughs) they've been pretty good for us (laughs) I don't think they've interrupted us today there's just so much flexibility I brought on a support team very quickly within about three or four months and listening to advice that that's the only way you can grow. I did do a lot of it on my own at the start because I am a bit of a control freak, so I'm working on that. <laughs> but, yeah, the online business, honestly, it well, even your bricks and mortar business, it can be whatever you want it to be really. Mm. And so if someone was thinking, uh, I, I really want to try this online business, what would what would you encourage them to do or what would you have done differently at the start of your journey? Mm. So to be honest, social media and Instagram in particular over Facebook has been amazing. And I did have a friend do up a strategy for me of which I followed about a quarter of it. And it was just showing up on social media and learning how to use it properly. And for me, it's been in the live delivery. So me just actually speaking, I was so awkward when I had to do my first live, but it's gotten easier You know, it was a struggle to talk for two minutes and now sometimes it goes for 40 minutes, (laughs) but it's just get started and don't get too in your head of all the possibilities and making it happen now. Just start and let it evolve because I was talking to a friend this morning, you can have all of the ideas, but when you actually go to do it, it's so different. And for a lot of the clinicians who are probably seeing clients one-to-one, face-to-face, it's remembering that when you first graduated, it's a little bit nerve-wracking when you have those first few clients. And then in those early years, you go on holidays. And then when you come back, you're feeling a little bit nervous, but then it just becomes part of your nature. You can just take some time off. You can fall back into it is that it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, especially showing up to so many people that you don't know, but just get started after being coached by you and other team members of CM invest in a coach who's been where you want to be. I feel like I haven't made any big mistakes and mistakes, failures, they're all opportunities to learn and grow, but I don't feel like I have done anything major that I regret and have had to pull out of. It's all just fallen so nicely into place. And to make sure that you go into the online business, even though I say that it's really profitable and great income is that you don't do it for the income. You you do do it for free anyway. Yeah, you do it because you're so passionate about it, but then learn how to value yourself and the money, the energetics of it just flows. It's secondary. 
That's phenomenal. And uh, it's been a privilege to play a small part in your clinic journey and uh, and to watch, you know, you flourish and the work that you do impact so many lives. You know, you've, you've truly built a clinic for good and, and you are for good. We love that. And so, if, if folks want to check you out or uh, follow you personally or look into your online business, can you give us some links or uh, social handles? Sure. So, my main website, I do have two, but the main one is drjenong.com and you'll go down all the little rabbit holes that you need to from there. The podcast, The Art of Listening to Your Body, that's where I have all sorts of crazy pain story interviews, which are really quite inspirational. And then social media, Instagram, Facebook is The Art of Listening to Your Body. So good. And listeners, we will make sure we link all that up over at clinicmastery.com slash podcast, the home for all of your podcast links and show notes, etc. But certainly get on to Jin on Instagram. It's uh, it's a great follow. Jin, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's been great to circle back, what, 18 months later <laughs> and connect with you. And listeners, thank you for joining us. As always, we really appreciate your reviews, feedback, comments. So, uh, drop that in your podcast player of choice or you can reach out to me directly, jack at clinicmastery.com or head over to clinicmastery.com slash podcast for all the links and show notes from this episode. And I can't wait to bring you another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast again really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.